Welcome back to It's Literally Fine podcast. I'm your host, Emily Savard, and this is the season two finale of It's Literally Fine podcast. We shared so many amazing memories with all of our guests this season, and so for this finale, we're going to do a quick little recap of all of our favorite moments. For the first ever guests on It's Literally Fine podcast, we had two city-renowned partiers who run the club scene night in and night out, Ryan Pownell and Ronnie Ray. Ryan and Ronnie take us through how they stay fit and in shape as two of the most popular downtown Toronto club promoters on the King West Strip. Take a look. So going back to like the Toronto club scene, how do you guys like manage all of it and still like stay fit and stay healthy like during the day? What's your day-to-day routine? Like is it legit sleep all day, party Party all night? night? No, 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 no. Okay. It's no sleep and no naps. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No sleep, no naps is, is the vibe. And then Sunday night, you sleep for like 16 hours, you know? <laughs> right. So you, you do the catch up. catch up in one yeah. day. Okay. So, so we'll go to bed. We don't drink as much as people think. No, okay. not at all. I do much more than Ronnie. Yeah. But like we usually just go crazy on Saturdays. Yeah. Sundays, we do obviously nothing with our lives. Right. And then Monday, we're back to, to normal life. But yeah, we work out every single day. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We eat healthy. It's 95% diet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we, when you get home drunk from the bar, you don't order the A and W McDonald's big orders. You right. don't do that. Yeah. It's hard not to. Next morning, yeah. Uh, yeah. next morning you punish yourself for going out with a fasted workout. Usually we do Barry's boot camp or we'll go to boxing something like, like that. Noon, yeah, and then after that you have your first meal, which is like a couple weeks later. We sat down with Big Brother Canada star Ramsey Aberane. Ramsey, known in part for his emotional departure from Big Brother Canada, talks to us about the important life lessons he learned throughout his Big Brother journey and how building relationships and networking with others is a life skill you just can't teach. Take a listen. I try to make a lesson of everything, and sometimes my family and friends hate that about me. They're like, not everything is a lesson, but I'm like, no, everything is a lesson. Like, I'm always trying to extract the good in stuff. And so, for me, one of the big things is that, like, you learn, we were talking about networking before, you learn the power of socializing. Like, it's a real skill that gets you ahead in life. Yep. Whether you're introverted, if you think you're introverted or not, you need to learn how to socialize with people. I'm not yeah. saying you need to be the life of the party. Yeah. You don't have to be the one, you know, take your shirt off, swing it around, <laughs> get this party going. No, but you need to learn how to socialize with people, how to network, how to be able to have some form of conversation. I get that there's small talk sucks, but like that's a real skill and builds rapport with people. But I think yeah. also social people are very adaptable to situations. Yeah. And like you can walk into any room and have a conversation with anyone about anything. 100%. And I think that's a skill in itself. Right? 100%. Just like being able to do that and like not knowing someone off the bat, but you're like, I'll get to know them and I'll get to know them in the next two minutes. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. No, you're right. If you've been here since the beginning of It's Literally Fine Pod, you know that we were single AF for a minute with all of the boy drama. Well, this season we somehow found boys that don't treat us like garbage and cuff them right up. We played a little game inspired by James Corden's Spill Your Guts or Fill Your Guts and introduced you to the unicorns themselves, Brett Siddle and Louis Tiano. In what round was what? I drafted by the Oakland A's? Oh my god. I told you. <laughs> you definitely asked. How many rounds are there? 40. 40? <laughs> Come on, take a stab at it. Oh boy. 20? Two? <laughs> 23. <laughs> You're like, no, I didn't mean that, actually. 24. No. What was it? What 13. Was it? <laughs> I didn't give you enough credit. You weren't even close. <laughs> just Did you know that, though, or no? Does it, does it, I feel like you definitely said it, you but I honestly like, probably wasn't listening that well. Uh, honestly, we have this You're like, yeah, yeah. You were probably like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
when we first met, like I was saying to him, like he told me, I asked him again the second time, like the second time I saw him. So tell me about your baseball career. It's like we fully had this. Yeah, we talked about this for like <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. Well, what do we got over there? You know what? That spam is looking awfully uh, appetizing. Let's crack her open. Smell it. Yeah. I can't even get it. Want me to get it? Yeah. You gotta like pull. Mm. Nothing like a fresh can of spam. <laughs> it looks like some pea meal. That does not look like pea meal, my friend. What's that thing your mom says to change your thinking? What's it called? To change your thinking? Yeah, she's like, that's really... <laughs> I don't know. You got to think about what else it is instead. Well, make... there's not much to change here. This is spam. <laughs> it looks kind of... Okay. There you go. You <laughs> yeah. said you were hungry, so... I am a little hungry. <laughs> Just a few episodes following, we had our first ever female guests come onto the show, Mariah Amber and Emma Brown. Mariah, Raptors dance crew captain and in-stadium host for Raptors 905, and Emma, Spokehouse spin instructor, take us through their thoughts on learning to love your body and navigating the pressures on body image in social media. We always like to touch on social media in episodes because we think it's like such a huge part mm-hmm. of everything we do now and it plays into every single aspect. So kind of like going off of that, in terms of fitness, what kind of pressures do you guys feel as females in fitness mm-hmm. um, on social to be looking a certain way or always um, making sure that you're posting something that you look good in or that you think your followers will make like will think you look good in what that kind of thing being in fitness? How do you guys go about that in your day to day life and like what you're choosing to post? Um, that definitely is something that still influences some some of my thought processes in terms of creating content um and there is pressure for sure especially with someone for somebody in the fitness space yeah. um i think there is still that old like adage your body is your brand so right. I think that's always still kind of in the back of my mind that was embedded when i first started out in fitness i think we've made amazing strides like in the yeah. past few years yeah. in terms of like body positive and really seeing that fitness looks so different on different Everyone, people yeah. right like fitness has so many different body types and body types yeah for sure um but I think still and you know it probably still goes back to you know when I was an athlete and like there was a desired body type so I think that there is still that part of me that wants to always present that image of just like looking super lean and looking you know right. I mean, looking my quote-unquote best yeah but I am also really trying to have a breadth of content where I'm putting out photos of, you know, I probably fluctuate 10 pounds up and down a few times in a year, right? Like that's a lot of females I'm sure can relate to that. So I think trying to be relatable over aspirational really is what's going to connect with people more. And so I try to think about that when I feel afraid to post that content where I'm like, I don't think I look like amazing or shredded or whatever. It's like, you know what? But I'm actually, I'm still so fit. Like that day I ran like, 12k and like you know what I mean and I think it's important for people who do have some kind of a following or community to show that fitness does look so many yeah looks so so different on different people but also looks different on the same person depending on where they're at in their life right Right. so yeah totally. and I think also COVID taught me to accept that my body's going to change as we get older your body changes but my tribe and I like we my tribe and community really came through I think because just speaking about it saying Oh, you know, from a year ago when I was having maybe four to five games a week and I was having three hour rehearsals twice a week, my body looks very different than that. And, 
you know, I think there's also that stigma where just because naturally I'm a very long, lean type person, but I really used to value my strength and working at home and not having weights, it's changed a lot. And so sometimes yeah. just finding your space in there, like no matter what body type you are, you're valid in how you feel about it. Because right. I do think body pressures, especially in a like on the the jumbotron, for example, like there was moments where I felt almost like I was in a fishbowl and you see yourself on like this massive screen. And there used to be those times where I'd really compare myself. And but luckily, I really have to fall back on my community. We were really great at just like encouraging each yeah. other, saying, girl, I'm going through the same thing. And we're getting older. I'm not the 18 year old I used to be. And I've really found power in that. And yeah. I think it's just every day it changes. Some days you're just going to feel better yeah, than others. Think- For Mother's Day, we brought our moms onto the podcast to give us all of the motherly advice everyone needs to hear. They tell us the biggest lessons they learned as kids that they carried over into their own motherhood and how important these lessons can really be. So then from there, what's the biggest lesson you learned when you were kids that you may have brought over to raising your own kids now? Could be anything. Or a lesson your kids have taught, taught you. you from being a parent. Well, they keep telling me, don't stress out, mom. Mm. Yeah. I'm always like, stop stressing. It's going to be fine. Yeah, Yeah, true. I think perseverance to just keep going. You know, time continues on. You can get through this. Um, And I think independence was another thing that as as a... For me, my family promoted independence. For this next episode, we sat down with founder of The Overhaul, Taylor Hustis, to get some on-demand fashion advice. She critiques our day and night looks in real time and gives us some helpful tips and tricks when it comes to styling our outfits. It's, <laughs> it's the sheer shirt. It's, it's the sheer shirt that we talked about. Um, at least, okay, so at least yours has, like, a little bit of detail. It's yeah. not, like, the skin-tight, like, no. stretchy no, situation. No, yeah. I get it, because, again, it's a night out look. Like, you want to... More glam. Yeah, look a little mm. bit more glam. Um, I just don't love sheer stuff, so that no, would fine. be... That's fair. That's, like, one of the only... Other than that's, the black top you're talking about, that's the only other sheer thing I own. Again, that's personal preference though. The main thing I would say would be like tuck the shirt in because again for for most women, their waist is going to be the smallest part of their body and for you that's definitely true. You have like the tiniest little waist and we want to accentuate that. So I would say definitely like tuck the shirt in and we're rocking the skinny jean too, girl. Yeah, that's like... Again, personal preference, like those look good. The wash is good and then... I tried to pair it with the white. I like I like the pop of white. I'm definitely a boots person. Yeah. So the fun boot is super cute. Those are overall, fun to wear though. No. Overall, again, I've worn them before. Not a ton of feedback. Like you look pretty great overall. I would just say about working with proportions, like yeah. I would for sure tuck the shirt in. And then similarly to Maria's look, if you want to look longer, then you could do like a darker boot. But I true. do I like the Very color blocking. Yeah. I like the color blocking you know what, on the too, bottom. I feel like that shirt is super hard to style. Like I don't really wear that shirt. Ever. It's because it's like, like an off white, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So it's, it's, like, it's, it's tough. A t- it's also a t-shirt shirt. So your arms, my arms already kind of look a little bit pudged. And then the, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot happening. That's, that's my thing with sheer stuff is they're yeah. just really hard to style, right? Because yeah. really all you Very can do, especially for going out is do like the bralette underneath. Yeah. Right? Very true. Not my most favorite, but this is my you look cute reason. overall. Okay. Adorable. So then we've got M's daytime look. I love this. You look super Haley Bieber. Yes. 
Was Thank that you. the was that the vibes? Yes. Something that's funny about that is when celebrities have stylists, a lot of people tie their style to them. People would be like, Haley Bieber has such great style. Who actually has really great style is her stylist. Is her stylist, stylist. Maeve. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> because Maeve is dressing her. Right. right? So yeah, I, it's super Haley Bieber X Maeve Riley. <laughs> but no, I like I love like just a classic white sneaker, super cute. I love like a baggier denim. The rip adds good interest. The jeans hit like absolutely perfectly to have that shorter crop top because I don't love a low rise moment. I know that's kind of yeah, coming I back in, do but I don't no. like to have yeah too much like stomach showing. So yeah, the length roll. is good. Proportions are good. Is that jacket like a vintage jacket? It's like Brett's playing jacket. So it's so cute. Weird, obviously, so I was like, well, I'll just throw it on. With yeah, this. no, you look I adorable. Felt like Super with casual. That, and like you can tell me if I'm wrong here, Taylor. I felt like I needed because it was so colorful. I needed like a basic top and a basic denim. Yes, because the jacket was so loud. Absolutely. Right? If you yeah. want, yeah, that's the way that I always kind of suggest yeah. to build outfits. Like if you want to pick one statement piece and then kind of build your look around it, it's always best to grab like a basic and then something that you also right. feel really good in to kind of like drive the comfort level of the outfit and reground the situation. Okay. So a lot of the time the statement pieces that clients or anyone in general are picking or something that's kind of like out of your comfort zone. So if you sure. don't have anything in your look that grounds it and kind of makes you feel more like yourself, um, then things can kind of go off the rails and you yeah. can feel not as good as you want to. So no, that's, that's great. You look adorable. Well Two girls coming from sport media backgrounds, we had to show some love to our fellow females working in sports. We had Carrie Ohm from Female Run and Own Sports Network, The Gist, come onto the podcast to shed some light on some common misconceptions people have about females working in the sports media industry. Take a look. What is then the biggest misconception you think when it comes to women's sports and also females working within the sports industry? Misconception? Um that we don't know what we're talking yes. about. Yeah, like that <laughs> would probably, I mean, there's multiple times or even at the networks, like I was like, I got assigned a big game and they're like, why did you get that? Or like, right. um, there would be times I remember, I wanna say it was like 2017 or 2016 and it was the WNBA finals. And I was like, hey, I noticed like no one was assigned this yeah. pack. Um, we should definitely be like putting something together for this. And I remember my manager at the time was like, well, the producer's not requesting it. Um, I mean, if you want and if you have time, you can put together like a 30 second pack. But it's a really busy night, so it probably won't get in there. And I'm like, so you're going to put like meaningless NHL or meaningless whatever over a championship WNBA game. Right. So it's just kind of like. And I mean, the leagues and female sports in general have gone a long way, even in the last five years, oh, even yeah, the last two years, definitely. like last year, I've seen so much growth, um, but the potential is so like so there. Um, but I would say that like, yeah, like women's sports is kind of like meaningless and it's not bringing in the dollars and it's not doing this, but you have to give it exposure and visibility yeah. for, it to, for it to get there. To get there. Yeah. You have to give it the things it needs to succeed. Mm -hmm. You can't just like expect it to like take off. Well, like, you know? I mean, I would like to compare, you know, where was the NHL or the NBA when it had it first 20 years or right. where was, I mean, it's a little bit different to compare, I think, just because, I mean, they've had sustainable leagues kind of the whole time. We had fellow Ryerson Sport Media colleagues Sarah Jenkins, digital producer at CBC and TikTok vlogger, and Jesse Pollock, digital host at TSN's Bar Down, onto the podcast to talk all about social media channels, dealing with trolls, and all of the frustrations that come with creating content for TikTok to Twitter, which might be the most savage app of them all, to Instagram. Take a listen. What kind of frustrations do you guys find in the app? I'm just curious. Well, I mean, 
I'm lucky that the way that my audience grew was a little bit different. So I do have that engaged audience. So like I can, I can actually, unlike most creators, I can pretty much guarantee what my viewership is going to be at least because right. I have people that actively like seek out my yeah. videos. But like the for you page is unlike anything else, right? Like it's not like people just look on their for you. They don't really follow, watch their following. So it's really hard to predict like what you're going to like, what videos are going to hit and what yeah. videos aren't going to hit. And then even something as simple as like. TikTok curates that like search feed. Yeah. So like for all you know, one of your videos can out there and then one blows. Like you, there's no right. real consistency in really that. Know, it's yeah. hard to know. Also, like because you're just being fed onto other people's pages, there's a lot of room for people to like just hate on you. Oh, because yeah. It's, yeah. Because it's people that oh. don't know you. Like on Instagram, it's people that have followed you because they for want to follow you. They don't randoms. hate follow. Whereas this, it's like randoms you'll come up and like they'll make assumptions or they'll just like leave little comments because for them they go, ha ha ha. Like, you're a loser. Uh, Worst things about that, but I don't know. And then they'll just swipe to the next video. And then it's gone in their brain, and they left that comment, and they don't think about it. So that's what the app is a little of stuff to work on they do like now like filter out comments and try right. i've been lucky they don't have a ton but it does happen i'm sure and like when you think about it you look at instagram and, like there's always negativity on any social platform yeah. out there right twitter Twi- twitter <laughs> yeah honestly I, i'm gonna I, tell I, a Twitter's story bad. after this i got ripped apart but i was i was just gonna say you you especially in sports because sports fans are like none other they will roast you for putting a thumbs up on something so well yeah i'm sure I, like you probably dealt with so much of that slack so i actually think I think the TikTok community, um, from what I've seen, is relatively encouraging in no, a sense. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, like everyone's pretty nice because there's a lot of younger people on it too, and, and you know they're not used to. No one wants to hate. But like so. So to give you some context here, after let's talk about Twitter for a second. <laughs> Twitter. So, so like, after, are we going down a deep path? We're going right down now? a dark path <laughs> right now. Okay. So, Story so, time. So I have worked extremely hard, like I'd say over the past couple of months to try to build my Twitter following a little more just because like, I don't really think it's like an app that uses much to monetize, but it's a good way to just like get yourself out in the, in the sports sure. media field. Right. I, especially I like event based coverage. It's really big for. Exactly. And, and like when I, when I, when I, when people think of the Winnipeg Jets, I want them to like go to my Twitter page and see right. what's going on. Right. Yeah. So Mark Shifley. <laughs> hit Jake Evans and I'm not going to get into the hit that much um, but basically I just said a tweet after because I hate trolls I hate trolls and yeah. you know it wasn't my job to defend Mark Scheifele here but I decided to. But you're also allowed to have your opinion <laughs> exactly. and Twitter. Exactly. Twitter. So Twitter's literally exactly. a, a, like yeah. a social platform where you give your opinion. So yeah. exactly. the it is what it is. But, so but, I, yeah. but, but the thing about Twitter is that especially right after something happens, people are so emotional that they don't think rationally. No, For, sure. So, For sure. So I just said, I just said, before everyone starts attacking Mark Shifley, let's remember that he's not a dirty player. Okay. It, it, it was an uncharacter. It was an emotional and uncharacteristic hit. He's a good dude, and and he did not mean to injure Jake. Evans. I don't really think people go into intent to injure, right? Well, like, well, yeah, there are players and, who do, but, but in this situation, I agree. The, with the thing is, is that it depends on you define intent to injure. Like, I think the way fans interpret it in this sense is that like he didn't make a play on the puck, and he was actually just going for a hit to make like a dangerous play on him. But all I was trying to say, and I followed up in another tweet saying, all I was trying to say is that Mark Scheifele isn't the type of player who would want someone to go 
off the ice on a stretcher. Right. 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 Like, I don't think anyone wants I mean, that. I mean, that guy doesn't yeah. even swear. Exactly. <laughs> he, it's not in his nature. Yeah. And this, this is a guy who was our first ever draft pick. He, he's done great work in the Winnipeg community. Like, you Jesse feel, asked him to sign his face, and he said no in front of everyone. But then he did it. But then he did it. He did and it. Video he signed And then he signed my chest another time. Oh my but anyways, God. for that first tweet, I got destroyed like people were slamming me i was the only person on the internet who defended mark shifley i swear he's my guy he's my guy and and, and like i wasn't trying to be my, my first my first two my first three tweets that were all about jake evans before that i said like i hope jake evans is okay yeah because yeah, on twitter though it's the same thing they're only the seeing one the tweet. one tweet they're one not, tweet. they're exactly. not exactly. and the thing is they don't exactly. like and this is the thing with people when they're mad, they don't care to see what you did before. No, exactly. They see that one thing that pissed them off, yeah. and they're not going to see what you did before. They're seeing that, and they're saying, I'm going to attack you now. There were verified people on Twitter, like like big journalists, saying, like, this is an idiotic take. This is stupid. What are you talking about? Jesus. I'm like, you know what? How, do you, how are you, like... Like, like, did you really misinterpret what I was trying to say so much? Like, I'm just saying that Mark Shifley is not a violent person. Anyways, right. that, that's not really the point. The point is, is that, like, Twitter can be a dangerous place. Yeah. Definitely a learning lesson for me. And for all you listeners out there, <laughs> be careful on Twitter. You don't need to defend anyone. And don't tweet stuff when people are at an all-time um, all time emotional levels, although it is the best performing tweet I've ever had. Yeah. I did get ratio. Yeah. I got ratio. And, and, and that has, Twitter for that reason. And that has yeah. been a PSA on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Listen, look. Just seven episodes out from the end of our second season, I took the podcast on solo and faced my own challenges along the way. Natalie Cervello, CEO and co-founder of Unlabeled LTD, also shared the challenges she's faced being an entrepreneur and starting a brand and a business from the ground up. What has been the most challenging part of your experience of building the brand, do you think? If you could pick one thing that really like could have set you back or made you feel like you weren't going to be successful, like what would it be? Um, I don't want to blame COVID, but... <laughs> COVID, you were the problem. Um, oh, no. Another thing I think in the beginning was doing everything on my own. Okay. Minus yeah. the pandemic. I think even without the pandemic, that was a struggle, is doing everything on my own and not almost like admitting I needed help. Yeah. So. Which I think is easy to do though. Mm-hmm. When you have your own brand and it's your baby, I think that's super easy to get caught up in. Like I yeah. want to do everything. I have that problem. It's really yeah. bad. Like we have a social media intern too, but I like to have my hand in that cookie yeah, jar that's, too. That's, you know that's what I my mean? my thing so. too. Like I can't, I can't not approve a layout. Yeah. And then I change it probably every three days. And I, I don't know how my intern didn't call me and yell at me. Yeah. But. But it's, it's, part, it's, it's you, it's right? learning like the brand to, is you. yes. And learning to trust the people around you because they want the brand to succeed just as much as you right. do. Very true. Right? So that was really, really important to me, learning that. Like, my partner came to me a month after Unlabeled, like, turned into, like, officially launched. And she's like, let's sit down. Let's rebrand this. Like, I want I want this. Like, I believe in Unlabeled. And I want this right. more than you do, essentially, is what she said to me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we'll figure it out. Once it's at this certain level, we'll do it. At this level, it will yeah. do it. But if we, like, if we, like, me and her... On my own, if I just kept waiting for that goal in my mind, I was never going to get there. So now sitting down and realizing, you know what, Sam, now's now's the time. It's the time to do it. And she was like, let's do it. Like she literally is, I could not ask for a better person by my side. That's the people you need. To overcome these challenges. Because even let's say with the pandemic and everything that did happen, it was like, let's find a solution, solution to the problem. Even though she was still working full time, she was always like, 
calling me, checking up, giving me ideas, helping me out. Like she was always like my right hand in a sense where she helped me through these these challenges. You guys love to hear us talk all about dating. So I brought on some guests who give a different perspective. I welcome back Brett Siddle to the show alongside his colleague and friend, chiropractor Kyle Kochi, to give us the lowdown on the male dating perspective. They tell us their dating pet peeves, what turns them off, and what types of things are absolute deal breakers in a relationship. So then from there, what is your biggest pet peeve in the girl? Like, what's one thing you just can't, like, you would, could not date her because of one thing? Well, she I, had this. I would say the biggest thing, pet peeve, is is poor communication. Um, and God, then, why are all of your answers so, like, no, this technical? Would, this would be, like, this could go a number <laughs> of ways. Right from air. <laughs> so this could be, like, this really, I mean, like, through my single life with, like, texting and stuff, when a girl's a bad texter, like, a bad communicator, it's, True. like, it's just annoying, right? Like, you're trying to get to know somebody. And I understand, like, you don't need to sit on your phone, but, like, if you te- if somebody texts you and then you text it back and you don't get a response for, like, a day, it's, like, oh. True. Right? Like, yeah, 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 I get that. But then also that leads to, like, in person. So when you actually start talking to somebody, like, in a serious relationship, like, you need to be a good communicator, like, in person and be able to communicate your feelings and, and obviously. For sure. Um, so I would say, yeah, that's my biggest pet peeve when a girl can't communicate and can't kind of tell you what she wants. Yeah, I know? agree with the texting though thing. Like, I don't like, just, if I like text someone and I don't hear back for a couple of days, like, I'm just like, what is the <laughs> point of this? You know, but I feel like when you and I first met, that's all we had because we couldn't hang out because of COVID. True. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, if I wasn't answering for a week, he could have been like, you're off. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> See ya. Cut off. <laughs> Cut off. Um, okay, pet peeve, like versus deal breaker. I think those are two different things. Pet okay, peeve, yeah, so there's like one of each. So pet peeve for sure is like cell phones, like cell phone usage is like when you're with someone, right. get off your phone. I like that um, Like especially like dinners. It's like your phone is always out of your pocket on the table. It's like if it doesn't fit in your pocket because you have this, you know, iPad as a phone and you're in skinnies, like I get it, right? But but like I think my big thing is like if the phone's face up to me, that shows yeah. that as soon as that thing turns bright, your attention goes right to it. So, so true. I try my best whenever I'm out, if I'm out of my pocket to put it face down. Yeah. I find that's just like this conversation is more important than that device. So For I think sure. people that are always on their phone, that, that, that to me is, gets a little bit irritating, mm-hmm. but... Um, that's pet peeve number one, I'd say. Yeah. 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 What would be a deal breaker then for you? A deal breaker? Absolute like cut off. Like let's say you start talking to a girl and yeah. then you like you think she's great or whatever. And then you find out that like there's this one thing about her and you're like, mm, that's not it. I'm like not about, down. Like about her past or something? Could be anything. Could be literally anything. Like she smokes cigarettes. Yeah. Could be actually, that. Or it could yeah. be like she killed someone. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, smoking murder. I killed somebody, but uh, uh, no, I would say yeah, like somebody that doesn't take care of themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it kind of leads into the smoking, or like just like yeah, if they don't live a healthy lifestyle, it's kind of hard for me to align with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like Kyle was mentioning, it's like like are you never going to do anything with somebody if like they're always want to just sit down they don't want to do it it's harder right so yeah i would say somebody that doesn't really like take care of themselves or doesn't really but then you probably wouldn't find them attractive but it's so interesting (laughs) right because like like, to you guys that's a deal breaker for you to someone else that might be like yeah i know a week later i had og toronto content creator ashley bloomfield come onto the pod to give us the inside scoop on what it's really like to be an influencer in 2021 she started out in the instagram game way before being an influencer was even a thing so she could honestly say she's seen social media transform into the monster monetization platform it is today what's different now in the influencer age than when you started out 
what's like one of the biggest things you've noticed everything yeah everything is completely different when I started out Instagram was chronological order and all of the things that we liked and enjoyed about the app but over the years it has changed to kind of compete with other apps and to keep our attention right. on their app. Like they introduced stories to keep up with Snapchat. They introduced reels to keep up with TikTok. They introduced IGTV to keep up with YouTube. Um, and then they have the picture sharing and then they have the album sharing feature to keep up with God, Facebook. Yeah. So it's a lot, uh, a lot has changed. And every time they come out with a new function, they push that. So right. the more you use that function, the more likely you are to be seen by your audience and by other people. So they okay. really just want you to just use whatever it is that they've recently launched. So right. like Reels right now, they're pushing Reels so hard. That is so cool to know. I've, I've never known that. Yeah, they, yeah. they really want, I think just a couple of days ago, the... CEO or something had created a video saying that they are moving from being a picture sharing app to a video sharing app. They they are directly trying to compete with TikTok and YouTube. What? So now as a content creator in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I have to create more videos. Right. So whether it be an IGTV or be more reels or just be like a regular one minute video that gets posted on my feed, that is what Instagram is looking to push to the top of the algorithm over just regular pictures. And then there's also stories too. Like people want to see what's going on in everybody's lives. So they're more likely to view stories. Right. Well, I'm taking it from Gen Z, a.k.a. my niece. She tells me that she literally opens Instagram, taps through stories, and then closes it and goes back to TikTok. She doesn't even scroll through her feed anymore. And if she does, it's like a couple of scrolls, and then she closes the app. She's more so a stories person, and then just goes straight to TikTok. So the audience and who you're trying to target, you have to like wrap your mind around what it is that this audience that you were targeting is consuming and then basically create for them so crazy but it makes a lot of sense like the more i think about it a lot of my friends say they get more views on their stories than likes on their photos and i'm like that is so strange yes i could put a poll up on my story and i would have more people interact with that poll than i will having people interact on a picture that i posted and it's the same thing with reels the views and the likes and the comments that you would get on reels are astronomically higher than what I would get from posting a regular picture. So it's just, so true. The, since I started in 2016, every time Instagram has changed, we as influencers have had to adapt and change with it. So right. everything has changed. Like if I sat down and told 2016 me everything that I'm doing like, now, yeah, right. <laughs> she'd be like, no, let me go find that nine to five. Let me, <laughs> yeah. let me go get that office job. <laughs> Who wants to be my boss? Cause I'm out. With this. I'm like so it's a funny. lot. It's a lot sometimes. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, it's also a lot too. kind of like transitioning into like you becoming a mom. You went from like this Toronto blogger, fashion lifestyle into motherhood lifestyle fashion yeah so how was that transition for you it was hard on the world of instagram like with everyone seeing you go from one to the other up next i welcomed mackenzie sill to the show to teach us all a lesson in keeping a positive mindset and being grateful for all that we have mackenzie tells us why having the attitude of gratitude is so important and also why you should always turn your passions into purpose 
I think, you know what? It really just means like living life to the fullest, right? So attitude of gratitude. It's going about each day with a positive attitude. Like I said, we get the choice. Like yeah. you are in control. And I don't know why it is so easy to complain. <laughs> like I know. Why, is, why yeah. is it not so easy to be positive? <laughs> and I think, again, it's just something that we have to, or we get to uh, choose to do. So yeah. that's what it means to me, really. It's living life to the fullest every single day, having that attitude of gratitude, bringing that with you wherever you go. Um, and you'd be surprised, right? When you carry it with you, someone else might catch on. Yeah. And then someone else catches on. And that's really my, my mission. My goal is to start this ripple effect of gratitude. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm not an expert and not a lot of people are, but I think if more and more people can start to learn about it and start to implement it into their daily lives, more and more people will continue to. Right. And then we just have this positive cycle, right. Of gratitude of happier people. Yeah. Um, for sure. And that's why when you were talking about kids, I think it's so important. Like I literally tell people it's like in school, when we learn to read and write, like gratitude, it's an essential skill too, just yeah. like that. Or whether we learn math or so science. It also shapes how you walk through life, 100%. right? Like the way you view life, the way you view other people's lives. Totally. You know? Exactly. It's very important. So yeah. we changed it up for this episode of It's Literally Fine Pod with our guests actually giving me a makeover on camera. Hannah Wells, COO of popular makeup boutique Fancy Face Inc. came onto the podcast to take me through a light yet glowing makeup look, perfect for any hot summer day by the pool. Guys and gals, here is your summer makeup routine in two minutes. So fun fact, I actually never used any kind of highlighter. I, I didn't even know it existed actually ever. Come on. I'm not kidding. Till like last year. So like all my days of like being in cheer and like dance never used that highlighter because I like did not know it existed. I know how? it is bad. It's bad. I don't know. I have no idea how I didn't understand that or like know it existed. I'm highlighter not sure. was like the product for, I feel like a good year. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I just feel like I didn't pay attention enough to it. And I had like my most basic stuff in my makeup bag that I'm like, whatever, I, mean, I don't need it. There's really nothing wrong with that. Do what do what feels good, you know? True. Okay. Then I'm just going to use a little bit of blotting powder on your T-zone to take some of the shine away and then we'll be glowing in all the places that we want to glow amazing okay look all the way up stay looking up for me setting your t-zone is all you really need to do on days like this so down your nose under your eyes um and your chin are those like the most sweaty places mm -hmm. yeah it's where our pores are the largest other than under your eyes that's just to prevent creasing gotcha Okay. Like I would not have known that at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like okay. just like things I just would not know. Okay, and then look down. I'm just gonna give you a little bit of mascara. You can use waterproof if you like it. If not, just be mindful of when you're swimming. You can also use fun fact, like legit Vaseline on your eyelashes. Really? You can make them look longer and darker without worrying about like it coming off really it, it, that's so crazy yeah, I, I did not know that i know Isn't so interesting all the things i've learned today for our final guests of the season i had cheryl wilberg and melissa jovanovsky creators of city shred social media's largest fitness community on the podcast to talk about their new city shred tv app they also give us the dose of optimism we need leaving the covid19 pandemic behind
With the rise of fitness, turning virtual Zoom classes, app creation, et cetera, do you think that virtual, virtual fitness app usage will continue to be very strong post-pandemic? Because I think that was one of the big things that people were more so questioning as like things shifted to back to normal. Because yeah. gyms are opening yeah. and classes are back. But like, I personally think that things are gone virtual now. It's just the way it's going to go. Yeah, I think that, you know, we're not trying to say you should just be virtual at yeah. all. No, I think, not at all. You know, the one thing that virtual doesn't offer is that in-person connection. Yeah. And that's why we talk a lot about community. And that's why it's so important for us to continue hosting our in-person events as well as being able to offer these, you know, virtual classes and this platform. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think that virtual is absolutely here to stay. There is no doubt about Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I think that people should get back out into classes or continue to run outside and ride their bikes and all the things that we've now been accustomed to do. So I think that we're not going to see a hundred percent virtual. I think we're going to see a really great split. I think, you know, as soon as the winter months come and maybe it's a little bit colder, Mm -hmm. people might say, okay, well, you know, I can stay at home and get my workout in. And then, you know, maybe on the weekend, I want to meet up with my girlfriend, Emily, and we're going to go to Barry's. And I think that's really what we're trying to promote. We're not trying to take away from one. We're really trying to elevate and just work together to have this offering. And I think the part with that, with your live event, and the app, it's like the people that come to your events will transition to the app. The people that use your app will transition to live events. So you'll get like the kind of mixture of both, which is super cool that you're building a community within that because you're going to get both mix of people all combined into one. Absolutely. And I think that's exactly it. Like we, and that's again, like why we talk so much about community. Like we aren't this technology mm-hmm. company that's trying to just build apps. We're building this community. So whatever that looks like in the future mm-hmm. is what we're going to continue to create. Right. Totally makes sense sense. What do you guys think the greatest benefit is to having classes accessible on your phone and computer compared to in-person classes though? I think it's just like access anytime, anywhere. You know, I think that the one thing I've been talking about a lot, like even with trainers and gym owners is the fact that like, you know, don't give up on your virtual classes or your, you know, virtual offerings. First of all, it's another revenue stream. So, you know, don't give that up. But also in saying that for people that are traveling, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to stop your program. You get to continue. You get to continue working out with your favorite trainers from anywhere in the world. And I think that that's what's so important it's that instant access yeah so for me that's exactly what that's all about yeah, yeah. Totally. And just like taking it like even i was working remotely last week at the cottage i was on the deck hitting up some of our programs because i need to be able to break a sweat there a lot of even the members in our community have commented on the fact that they had been away and have been able to access it and stay accountable and i think that's it it's about accountability yeah so whether you're in a gym in a studio with friends just breaking a sweat you have it and you can accomplish it and you can get into your own fitness goals through it I just want to thank everyone who has made this second season possible. Thank you to Neighborhood Creative Co. for the studio space all season, Matteo and Roberto, our cameramen, photographers, and editors, and Eleni, our social media manager. I'm so thankful for all of you and your help this season. To our supporters and listeners, I appreciate all of your ongoing love this season and have never taken a second for granted. I can't wait to see what the future holds for its Literally Fine podcast, and I hope to see you all soon. But if not, you know what we always say. It's literally fine.